Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. No prizes for guessing what we're speaking about tonight. For once, Sunderland pull a result out of the bag when it was all set up for them to spectacularly fail. And they nearly blew it. They nearly blew it. Collective saw heads in the studio today. They include Gary Foster from the Shields Gazette, who is very much a fully-fledged friend of the show now, Gary. Yeah, nice to be here and uh, nice to have something good to talk about for a change. Yeah, we're just saying... Paul Dobson outside is also. Uh, I was just saying a Paul Dobson outside, sorry, um, aka sub from a Love Supreme. That it is nothing, you know, it's a bit harder to analyse um, performances when we're winning all the time, subs, isn't it? Because it's easy to pick apart, pick apart defeats and, and say, you know, where we're going wrong, how we can put things right. But playing sale in the last few weeks, almost. Yeah, it's it's uh, when you get a reason to be cheerful, it's hard to dissect it. It's like you say, it's much easier to whine about things, but it's. Makes a nice chip to think harder. It certainly does. We're not going to complain about it. Okay, Man United, Kidderminster and Stoke with Team Talks Mark Holmes later. That's all on the agenda today with me, Stephen Goldsworth. And all, as always, Gareth Barker is here, who cried last night. <laughs> I bet you cried as well. I, I, I did not. I bet you did. Plenty, plenty, plenty of witnesses. Aye, oh, I bet. Mm, well, let us, let us reflect on a tremendous performance, really, Gareth. It's easy to get carried away and exaggerate, especially about players' individual performance. You know, when you when you, when you win a semi-final at Old Trafford, uh, although we didn't actually win the game, but you know what I mean. Um, but I thought all the players last night stood up to be counted, every single one. There was a couple of performances that weren't great, but I don't think anybody bottled it or shirked away, did they? No, I think they all did, you know, really well considering the situation. They turned up, players. I think, you know, Gus has got them. As a playing as a unit, you know they're a real team, and I think that was a epitomised last night with the with the way they kept going till the end, and then stopped. Then had to go at the penalties. Mm. Makes a difference, Gary, doesn't it? When you feel that the players are taken to the pitch and there's such a specific game plan that the that, that they're implementing through through Poyet, you know, he, he doesn't wing it, does he? That that's got to help with nerves and everything, hasn't it? They're not just turning up and expecting to pull the performance out of the bag if if they're if they're concentrating on on what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I think previous managers um, also had a game plan, but it didn't work, and mm. they didn't have a plan B. Um, Gus has got them playing well. He's got them playing the way he wants them to play, and uh, it's starting to get results. And you, you've got to be happy about it. It. it Took a while for some people to get on board, I think, because of the passing style and it's less direct. But while you've got the ball, other teams can't hurt you, and we're starting to learn. I think fans are starting to learn to enjoy it. Hopefully, I apologise for the way I'm stuttering through this so far. I'm still a little bit hungover from the <laughs> end, from my night in Manchester. Like, and my head's not quite with it. I, Gareth probably need you to be in my arms more than you more than you normally yeah, are. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm always hungover. I'm to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> But um, subs, I thought 
it was a bit uncomfortable first half. I thought the players were panicking a little bit. Understa- yeah, well. Understandably nervous at the semi-final. Yeah. Um, from half time onwards, settled down. The, the, really, they only looked like there was only one team in it, didn't mm. they? I know that uh, you're right in what you say there, Manchester. They had to had to make something of it because they were obviously getting beaten when we started the game. Second half, although we didn't create that many clear cut chances, we you we got in round about the box quite a lot we were comfortable mm-hmm. in possession if there wasn't a half chance to be taken we didn't just have a hopeful punt and see it bounce off people's legs we turned gave it back and tried to start again Perfect example Gareth of why we should have been playing this formation a long time ago I thought Man United going 4-4-2 was significant and mm. it, led us, it led us to three midfielders in there let us control the game didn't yeah. it? I thought you know, I thought we dominated them most of the game. I thought even in the first half, like they had the spell when they scored, they had about ten, fifteen minutes maybe. But I thought like they started the game, they were pretty weak. Like <clears throat> I'd expect, I, th- I thought they were going to come out and like were going to be like right under the cosh straight away. But it was just like a damn squib. We just kind of did. Don't have, don't have a place for that anymore, do they? Not fit no, anymore. No. I think we expected that to happen and it didn't, so yeah. we were a little bit taken aback yeah. by it and took us a while to settle in. This is a constant, obviously, a concentration issue on the goal. Bit from I've only seen it once, so I don't know. I know I know a few people were saying that he was being played on side. I don't know if he could have got out and that O'Shea left yeah. his man, but these things happen. It's happened too often, maybe. But you know, they they, they kept going. They kept the heads. They didn't. They didn't lose. You know the the focus that they had, like you were saying, they kept on working the ball across the box, a bit like Cardiff away when we got that equaliser. Mm-hmm. The the goal was sort of sig- similar the way we kept working it across the box, kept waiting for the opening, and then when the opportunity came, they managed to, with a little bit of help, <laughs> managed to take it. I know. Well, I was just thinking, Gary, that as much as we're all sort of singing, dancing, holding hands and stuff, we still are allowed to be a little bit critical. I'm not going. Maybe critical is a wrong word. Um, I tell you what's concerning me a little bit. Cutting edge, it's a bit of a cliche, but we're lacking one, aren't we? Where do we get it? What happens? <clears throat> well, as well as they played last night, if uh, if De Gea hadn't dropped that clanger, then That's it. we yeah. wouldn't be having this conversation now. Um, they, they played well in possession. Um, they're not creating, for me personally, they're not creating as many chances as I'd like to see. Clear-cut ones anyway, certainly. Um, and whatever the problem is with, with Fletcher whether he's not fully fit or, or whatever um, I think Altidore's confidence is on the bottom and we seem to be playing Barini out wide rather than central. so this transfer window it's a big ask but they need to find somebody that's going to find the back of the net It's an interesting one Gareth isn't it the centre forward thing it's um, it's is it, is it confidence? Is it unhappiness? A mixture of both? Now they centre forwards look like they're suited that role. Mm. We've we've had this discussion already again, but not, nothing's happening to make me change my mind on it. Yeah, I think to be fair, that was probably the first game in a while where we haven't created a number of good chances. We have been creating them, um, so it might have just been one of those things where it didn't happen. I mean, we scored four goals at Fulham, we scored twice Southampton. You know, two at Cardiff, three at Carlisle. So they've been creating chances and mm. scoring. There should be, but the issue is taking them. Like when the strikers are getting good chances in all those games. You know, Fletcher Everton, he had a good chance. Villa, he's had a good chance. Um, you know, Altidore, chance against Cardiff, he should have put away. So they're getting the chances, but like you say, I think that's that. What what is the reason why? And I, I just think like maybe the over it's the overall 
system, the overall role the striker has to play in Poyet's system maybe and it's not quite these two guys aren't quite suited to it and maybe that's why they're not involved in the game in, in the right areas as much. A lot of discussion people are saying about Berini going, going in the middle um, what do people think about that because he seems to be what do you see, he seems to be working the minute Paul on the left, the role he's playing that you just sense that Gus doesn't really want to change it. You know, if it ain't broke in that department, mm. don't fix it. But it's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Because we haven't got anybody up front who's doing it. So. No, but he, he he does cut inside well. And just to back up what we said earlier, before the game in the concourse, they were showing Sunderland's greatest mm. goals. And the, you say they like harping back to Kevin Phillips again. You know, you get half a chance, bang, and it's put away. Ali Trey, bang, it's put away. And Niall Quinn, bang, it's put away. The two lads we've mentioned as centre forwards. It's not the natural reaction mm. to have a shot immediately. Berini possibly would if he spent more in time, but he does carry it well and get shots away. So I think he could be on for a decent run of goals the mm. way he's playing. I think, Gary, the, the thing with Fletcher is, I mean, we know he can finish, but it's when he was finishing under Martin O'Neill, it was, the system was very different, wasn't it? We were almost counter-attacking. He was having one chance, but he, he seemed to find himself with a lot of space in the box. He was finishing. That's not going to happen in this system, is it? And with defenders in front of him and with his back to goal he doesn't look like it's 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 suited to him does it no and, and not wanting to be too critical but it, last night he had a couple of half chances I would say were headers he wasn't even anywhere near making the goalkeeper make a save and, and like I say I don't know if he's just not fully fit or the system doesn't work for him or or if it's other issues um, but um, for some reason the two guys up front just can't find the net anywhere as uh, as much as you'd like them to. I thought, like you know, out the door, maybe didn't really help him out. Maybe at the moment with the situation he's in, with his confidence and the fact he's been playing pretty poorly, generally, um, you know, putting them putting them wide, and like I just sometimes you know he doesn't read the game too well. That's not one of his strong points. So mm. I thought he actually sort of stuck at the task alright of playing from that wide position but he just about got through it didn't he yeah he, he did I mean, he did some good he did some decent stuff I was going to say he, he had this sort of five minute spell where he was hitting passes and they were, like, they were yeah. good decent yeah. cross field balls to feet and you were thinking hang on a minute yeah. hmm. but um, I don't think it suited him no, no. I don't think it helped him at all it was that mo- the thing is without the door again it's that moment isn't it, where he gets in the box and he kicks a ball off his left yeah. foot and <laughs> slightly it just looks ridiculous and Pete, that's what people are going to remember. Almost on did another penalty dive as well. Yeah. yeah. Are we? Do you think there's justification in saying we need to be bowling, going sign a centre forward, and Gareth? I know what you were saying before about the where the club have got to sort of watch what they're spending almost with an eye, one eye on next season if they're being realistic mm. and the possibility of relegation. But it's almost that thing, you know, does fortune favour the uh, the brave? They still gets they could still get someone in on loan. I don't. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Um, they've got the foreign loans that they could bring in. Mm. Which is, I think that's probably the more sensible market they should be looking at because, with a per- with a view to a permanent on a certain player, maybe because I just can't. I know what people say about the whole. They don't like the loan players. Too many loan players, but at the moment they just can't can't be p- putting big outlay on on top players and then yeah, forget relegated. I think the one argument against the loan, I know it has worked in the past, but I think the one argument against the loan system is when it comes to the next season and they all go back to the, you start, you have to start rebuilding again, don't mm. you? So you're still trying to start building the, 
aside again rather than you know, it's a know quick, we, be a quick fix, I, wouldn't it? I agree, but yeah. it's mm. just the position they're in at the moment. It's yeah, peril, you know, we've seen us spend big money on players and it not work out before. There's no guarantee spending the money is going to keep you up. I think an example of what, what comes into my head, maybe you could argue against that one. I'm going back now, some years now. I remember 96, 97 when we were relegated under Reid, and he's reluctant to go out and sign a centre forward. And West Ham bought Paul Kitson and John Hartson, mm-hmm. and they they kept the firepower, kept West Ham up that season. Of course, it doesn't always work out like that. Well, and we I'm, we did go for Gascoigne and uh, uh, Andy Cole and John Scholes. They went for. Mm, I'm talking about when I got mid-season though. In, in, did, that's in when they tried they tried to get them in. That's mm. who they were after. after John Dahl Thompson nearly came, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he went to Newcastle the following season. Did really well. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> he done better later to, on his career. To though. be fair, though, you look at it the other way. I mean, the one time that really did panic and did have a throw of the dice, uh, we spent a shed load of money on Torhandry mm, Flo. I knew that name was coming there. <laughs> <laughs> but is it, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, the whole thing about directors of football. Obviously, Defanti, which we haven't touched on, I don't know if we'll touch on that later, but he's gone now. Everyone sort of, oh, the director of football spending all this money, all he's bought in these players. Managers are made, to, like you're saying there, managers spent a lot of money on players that they haven't really fully checked out. Um, you know, I think it's, it would be naive to think that managers don't get romanced by the idea of certain players where they're put, portrayed in the media and what the perception of them, of them are on match of the day. That's why average players will get these, you know, moves every 18 months or whatever for big money because they're built up. But but to play a devil's advocate and defendant, obviously did apparently check them out and what was he watching mm, well absolutely <laughs> no I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not saying <clears throat> one's right and one's wrong um, I'm just saying that you know it just goes to show one isn't right one isn't wrong it's, it, it, you just don't know do as, you? as long as the fact he was there I think the fact he used to be an agent that was always mm. a massive question mark that was always going to hang over his head and you, that was never going to be put to bed I think so on that front hopefully you know we aren't going to go down that route again but we're talking about centre forwards and I think we're pretty keen on signing Scott go on loan aren't we um, we're not keen on the permanent uh, transfer from what I can gather he's been linked with Cardiff now that's getting back to the Kitson and Hartson thing Gary it's a bit interesting if he goes to Cardiff he's high and he either flops or he does really well because that's going to be right in front of our faces isn't it it is, but I mean, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going to. I mean, it's speculation, of course. Yeah, I'm not going to be- try and pretend I've got any knowledge whatsoever yeah. on Argentinian <laughs> football or Brazilian mm. football. Or I don't think many of us have, despite what. Yeah. So I, d- I don't know if the kids any good to start with. I mean, we know what's the YouTube video, but mm. you know, that's that's. It's a almost just like a willingness that you want them to sign somebody, don't you? Yeah. So you're I mean, reading, you read it up on them, and you're thinking, sign them, sign them, and of well, course, Ed, Ed Malian came on, and mm. he, well, he did. He, he gave McGlone reference. He knows, and he, mm. he was the one. He mm. was saying that would be a cracking signing if we got him. Um, mm. He said he didn't really thought that Virginia was <clears throat> okay, um, and it was Andrew Jarvis. A couple of Damon reports on, um, on the keeper on there. Uh, no, Virginia on on Talksport. Ed was one, and was Vic, it Tim Vic? Tim, Tim Vigri, Vigri, yeah, yeah. Of course, said he was clumsy. Um, I mean, the, the two new signings last night weren't. They're probably they're probably thinking, you know, they're going to they're going to have a shock when they run out on Saturday at a half empty stadium, mm. and they're, 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 they think all the Sunderland fans are there, and they're going to think this is the norm, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I think I've heard a few people sort of have comments about the the goalkeeper. The best will in the world, he's probably there at the end of the season. Yeah. Just just to ease 
Gus's concerns about yeah. um, Scott goals as well, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, he scored scored more than Lee Catamall as in, uh, yeah. in his time at Sunderland. But I'll take that segue into Lee Catamall because um, Gareth, you thought he was fantastic. You said last night. I thought he re- retrieved possession very well. He gave the ball away, which is it's always going to happen. Uh, I just can't help thinking that he's going to be a victim of Poyet's new son and all mm. because. He's, he's he's a better player than people give him credit for, and he, he's coping. Uh, but that you know, that's the term I would use. He isn't flourishing. He's coping, and yeah. you, you can't help think that eventually he's going to become a victim of this. I'm just curious, where were you were in the um, lower tier, weren't yeah. you? We were, were you in the upper tier? Yeah, I was in the upper tier because I was in the upper tier quite relatively mm-hmm. far back, about row thirty or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like you got that you got that overview of the game, and maybe I was looking at from that perspective like with Catamol he just seemed to be he did sort of surrender possession a couple of times in dangerous areas which like you say that is that's some, be that is the worry the, but the way, the way Poyet sets up that you know that, that's, yeah. that's a very relevant though isn't it I thought, almost having to like make up for giving the ball yeah. away and then doing well but it's, it's, it's retrieving his own, his own sort of downfall yeah. I just it? thought his uh, like his energy um, and his positioning and you know his his involvement in the game. He was a real key asset for us. So just that's the way I saw it from where I was mm. sitting, and I, I thought like was I was watching his sort of movement and his availability and stuff. And yeah, I, th- I, w- I thought he was probably our best. Him and Barini were very good. Um, and unfortunately, it looked like Barini was just exhausted and had to go off. I don't know why Catmull went off. Was it a technical thing, or was he having a knock? Or he looked tired, mate. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. Um, I thought. What did you think? So I was well. Like, I'm not his biggest fan by a long way, but he did okay. have a good game last night, the only, and he did retrieve possession. The only thing is, when he loses the ball, he doesn't re- try and get it back in a sensible way. Yeah. You know, we've seen him diving in the past and hurt people against Southampton. He just swung a leg when you're 60 yards from goal, and it was a silly one. And I think that that puts a, a minus in Poyet's book against him. So I, I do agree, his, his time's probably limited at mm. Sunderland, but. If he thing is, if he plays well like he did last night, he's a valuable bloke to have in there. He didn't do much wrong last night. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't be desperate to sell him. Like I know he's interesting. Been stoke, yeah, stoke. we'll we talk. Uh, we'll talk to Mark about that as well. And I was Stoke fan, but you almost sense that if an offer comes in for him, so how, he, if you can get five or six million, five I mean, million, I would bite the ham off. Never mind the hand. But I, I quite. I mean, I, we quite like him. Don't we? I do. I, I've always been a fan. Yeah, but. But even I, even I can see for the greater it's, it's, good. It, yeah, yeah, it's the system. It's the system more than anything. I think. And you've got to think if, if, uh, if Gus gets pretty good, yeah. then he's going to be first choice yeah. anyway, isn't he? he? If he's got, he's, he's chasing the lad. He obviously wants him to go in there. So it's if you can if you can get Bridco for I don't know two and a half three million, and you can ship him on for five six and. Jobs are good, isn't it? It's looking like a possibility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, exciting almost. I mean, I don't again, I don't want to talk too much on speculation, but Brid Cup, we've always thought would be nailed down. We thought, probably thought it would have been done by now. It's exciting to think that somebody who knows Poyet's system so well is going to come in and link up with someone like Key, who's playing so well in it as well. That's for for a team that's been so poor, Paul, for you for the good best part of three or four years in the centre midfield area. That's something that people can really look forward to isn't it it is yes I mean players and and fans alike and look at something now and identify they've got a style rather than just like oh we'll stick yeah. 11 out there in that formation and see what happens mm, but if they say alright yeah. that's the game I'm used to 
that's the game I'm going to at a bigger club where I will get paid better. It, it's it's great, and that that will start to work the other way, and it'll bring people, established people, no disrespect to Bridcut, but established Premier League players will start looking favourably on it as well. And I think work when all be very hopeful anybody else he brings in Gareth because uh, if we use sort of Alonso as a benchmark he's slotted in he's he's been everything that we wanted a left back to be here really hasn't he and you've got to imagine you've got to trust Gus that he knows which kind of players he wants in that system I think he's been okay um, I don't think he's been considering he hasn't played much yeah, this season at all I don't think he's been amazing but he's he looks competent he looks like we wanted the centre to be yeah, mm. he looks competent and he's yeah. solid. Um, I think I think you'll notice it. I think you'll notice a difference on, on at the weekend because I don't think he'll play him at the weekend. I think he'll play the center. He's playing eleven. He said he's going to make eleven changes, and didn't he? I think you'll notice a difference in terms of the center just doesn't get the ball in the box anywhere near enough for me. And whereas Alonso in his first few games has looked mm. to get to the byline and looked to pull it back, and has, has done it more often than not. And I think that's made a hell of a difference, mm. and I think you'll notice the difference. <laughs> I know it's lower league opposition, but I think you'll notice the difference on at the weekend against Kidderminster because I don't think uh, I don't think Desean will do it even against lower league opposition. I don't think he'll get the byline and put the ball in anywhere near enough. Well, we are going to talk about Kidderminster and Stoke. We're going to be speaking to Team Talks Mark Holmes, and we'll do that next. <laughs> Apologise if I haven't been all um, bubbly and chirpy <laughs> too much and talking about Sunderland being the greatest team the world has ever seen in the light, but it's not really the concept of the show. And we, we just we're just staying true to character, I think. Um, we'll t- tell at the end before we go, we should tell our. St- I'm sure everyone's got a story about the uh, what happened when the goal went in or something yeah, like we'll, that. Yeah, we'll finish. We'll do a little summary and with right. me. Couple of leave on a high. Right, as mentioned earlier, he's going to change the full side. He's already said that. For once, Gary, I think the fans would agree that it's necessary to do to do this. Uh, but let, let's be—he's still going to want to win this game. And um, we still, you know, we have a big enough squad. You would imagine to play against a non-league side and progress still. So who, who we're hoping to see? What what we're thinking? We're going to see. I mean, I'd, I'm quite looking forward to seeing some of the fringe players playing. I think as long as you. Try and give yourself a safety net where a couple of proven the first teamers, the first choice first teamers on the bench just in case it doesn't go to plan. But um, I mean, there's still going to be a couple. Seb Larson's going to play, I would imagine. Yeah. Gardner he, he didn't feature Gardner yeah. probably, so you, they should still have enough. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see a bit more of Bar. Yeah. I was just going to say. I was just going to say. We're looking forward to Bar, Paul. Are you impressed oh, against that, against Carlisle? I thought when he came on against Carlisle, it's like a breath of fresh air. He fits into the poor yet pass and move thing, but he very positive the way he burst forward and a nice calm finish mm-hmm. again I'll try and get too carried away because I heard he was rubbish in the 21s yeah. the next game is it bar for you as well yeah. Gareth anybody yeah, else yeah come in Carlson seems to be forgotten about doesn't yeah. he yeah. I can't and the Greek fella Mavrias yeah. I'd like to see more of Mavrias mm. I thought he looked alright especially when, when especially when you know we're, we're looking at we, we possibly yeah. need offensive options and attacking options mm. as well he's he's one I'm surprised the Poyet hasn't really uh, he hasn't been he an option at all has exactly, he exactly yeah Interesting. I, I wouldn't mind uh, depending on maybe not if they start and if they play one up front but certainly at some point I wouldn't mind saying Watmore giving a go again mm. well we thought Watmore might be out on loan by now and he hasn't mm. which he'll, means he'll, he'll go which, like. mm, which indicates he maybe wants to have a look at him once more 
before sending him out. Nah, yeah. I don't think it's that. I think he'll, he'll go. He's got exams and that, hasn't he, at the moment. So it's, we'll see, I guess. When Do you think you'll see him Saturday then? I wouldn't play him if he's going to go on loan because he can play in there. In, well, actually, it depends who he's going to. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a cup minute. So, I mean, the likelihood is that he's not going to be going know, anyone who's expecting a cup run, is he? The likelihood is <coughs> it'll be a northeast team, from what I've heard. Yeah, I've heard it as well. Um, Paul, we is it, you mentioned again earlier. Um, you know, the games are coming around thick and fast. I think Gareth touched on the point where. We we'll probably haven't got time to talk about the Southampton game here, um, but it's you can tell that something's going right for you when you you're looking forward to the games coming. <laughs> three games in three competitions in a week, and you, but you look. I mean, this is a, this is a, an FA Cup game against a non-league side, but you know everybody I've spoke to is looking forward to the exactly. game. Exactly, so they all turn up on Saturday. I'm looking forward because they're going to bring a big crowd up. Uh, you know a bit of atmosphere. You never know they'll be up for the game. They looked half decent on the telly. They got a couple. You know I know they've left the the top goal scorer going, but they still got that big centre forward, and they did look like they tried to play a bit of football. And they'll certainly be up for the game. So it's it's what the FA Cup's all about. It's a corny cliche, but you want to see the big boys against the little boys that we did it forty one years ago. But mm-hmm. then, you know that's that's what makes it such a good competition. You said last week, Gareth, that you thought Aladdin's confidence. Probably broken beyond repair. Is this not last chance to maybe again? You, you could see him start. I think he'll certainly start up front, won't he? I think he'll start. I mean, seeing about a weekend team or whatever, well, not a weekend team, but a change team. I mean, if you've got Gardner, Larson, I mean, Jack Arini, he'll come in, I imagine, out the door. Solitsky, Virginia, Desena. You know, some of those players were regulars at the start of the season, really, so, you know, it's still going to be a strong team. Um, but yeah, you say about Aladdin, I mean, say I'll probably come in, I did the Hartley Unwrote report and sort of had mixed responses. I mean, the point was, I wasn't I trying to say... I thought it was very good it. for what it's worth. I said, I said the point I was trying to make is wasn't that Aladdin was the best strike we've ever had, but Aladdin isn't the root of all of our problems, and I think people were projecting that onto him and pretty unfairly against Southampton. I didn't think he was anywhere near as bad as people were making out in the first half. And if you look at some of the stats, he's actually... On a certain website, he was had the same rating as Ricky Lambert at half time so you know you, you talk about getting players into games and utilising them in bar and what more to be fair to them against Carlisle utilised the strengths of Altidore by mm-hmm. getting closer to him and those passes he's good at the things he's good at are those little flicks off first time yeah. passes Solid Fulham as well yeah he can do it he can mm-hmm. do it if you get it use him properly but he's not going to be able to do same as Fletcher they're not going to be able to do things that they can't do if you just just asking them to do it isn't enough. If they haven't got it in the locker, then they're not going to just be able to do it because you want them to. Comes back to people's perception of him probably down to his physical attributes as mm. well, isn't that people look at him and think he's an old-fashioned target man, and he isn't a very good target man. That's not his game, but his size sort of misleads people still, into thinking that he will be good at those sort won, of things. He was winning. He-, he won headers against Southampton. He won. I said statistically again. I looked at the headers. He won ten of his fifteen aerial. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people 
today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So he's win. He's won more than his fair share, and you you look at players running off him. Who's you know there was a point where Barini was just watching him, and he won this header, put it in a nice area, and Barini like reacted. It's like, well, you're gonna get if you're gonna get around him, you've got to be proactive. Yeah, you got to run off him. You can't. You got to anticipate, and it makes makes you you know you make players look worse than they are sometimes. And it it tends to happen when things are not going well or things are not going the way you want. It. Someone singled out, and rightly or wrongly, I think it, it's his turn. Yeah. Um. I think. I mean, we can all probably all in here can remember Gareth Hall. It was absolutely atrocious, but not not everything was Gareth Hall's fault when it was going mm. wrong. But he was the he was the guy that everybody had a go at. So mm. Kubitsky came in and there. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. sorry, he came in for Kubitsky. Well, that, yeah. Uh, uh, less said about that one, the better I think. And it's Stoke after Kidderminster, and that should be more or less a week. Well, a week, a week from yesterday, so that the players will have had a week's rest, I suppose. And we're going to speak to Mark Holmes from Team Talk about that now. And we want you to tell us, Mark, just about the the new look Stoke side under Mark Hughes. How how's things progressing there? It looks like he's, things are ticking over under him. Yeah, it's very hard to sum us up. Really, I was on before the game at the Britannia and, and said the same then that I couldn't quite see what he was trying to do um, and and that remains really it's it's very very inconsistent some weeks such as when we beat Chelsea uh, we've been fantastic going forward and, and you know really looked at a good team and even to an extent against Liverpool the other week although we obviously shipped in five going forward at, at times we were excellent but defensively has been an issue it seems that when we're playing well going forward we tend to be a shambles at the back, which was obviously evident in that Liverpool game. And then at Crystal Palace in the most recent game, you know, we were pretty solid at the back, but didn't pose any threat at all up front. So I think he's really struggling to find the balance at the moment between how much they can, you know, put into going forward without leaving too many holes at the back. And that's why I assume he's after a certain Mr. Lee Catamol. Mm, well, we'll get on. We'll get on to that just now. First, I want to. I want to ask you then. You know, on that note, you're saying poor defensively. The complaint we have every week here: Sunderland are notoriously find it difficult to break sides down when they come and put players behind the ball. Are Stoke likely to do that? No, that's exactly the same problem that, that Stoke have. Um, it's no coincidence that we looked so good going forward against Liverpool that obviously put all our emphasis on, on getting the ball to Eliza Suarez and Sterling and, and Storage, and then struggled badly against Palace because it was up against Tony Pulis' 10-man defence. Stoke just haven't got enough players with the skill or specifically the pace to get in behind teams that, that sit deep. And I remember saying to you that exact same thing before the game that we tanned you that I thought that would be Sunderland's best chance and you know it might have proved out that way if, uh, if Wesley hadn't been sent off so mm. so yeah whoever kind of goes for it a little bit more might leave to gaps that the other team can, can capitalise on so it's probably going to be a, a tactical battle as it's described these days 
This isn't wetting the appetite, Gary, for football heroes, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like it's going to be a classic, doesn't it? I know. Well, what about that Lee Catamolan thing, Mark? Um, do you think last night's result may have a bearing on his decision to leave? Because we, we were just talking before you came on that he's coping, he's coping under under Poyet. You know, he's a better player than most give him credit for. But you know, logic would suggest that he might be a victim in the way Poyet wants to do things here, and we wouldn't be surprised to see the club accept a bid if they thought it was an acceptable one. Yeah, it's an interesting one, really, because he was obviously out of the team under De Canio, yeah. was given his chance by Poyet, so you would assume that one of might be first choice. You know, he is right on the fringes. So um, I know you, you, you're trying to get Liam Bridcut in, so maybe that, yeah. you know, that's what the deal hinges on. Probably. We'll have to see um, whether whether Lee Catamore wants to leave a club that's just got to Wembley, you know, where oh, yeah. he's settled up in the northeast for for a club that's, let's be honest, not doing a great deal much better in the league. We'll have to wait and see, but um, first of all, let's see if there's any you know deal struck between the clubs. So, how 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 are things in, in your central midfield at the moment? Who's who's likely to play tomorrow? Is it two are the two of them in there or three of them in there? Um, there will be Glenn Whelan doing the the, the shielding role in front of the back four. He's kind of the, the guy that would would lose out if um, if Cats comes in. Um, he, you know the water carrier keeps it nice and simple. He's doing okay. He's probably been one of Stoke's better players this season. Stephen Inzonzi slightly ahead of him on paper is, is probably the best player in the in the squad. Unfortunately, he doesn't cope too well with teammates not being up to his standard. You tend to see a lot of arms flailing and, and flapping about when you know things aren't going his way and people aren't making the moves that he thinks he should be. So he's very much a hit and miss player. And then um, in front of him, behind the strike, whatever you want to call it, is it's probably going to be Charlie Adam. He's in decent goal-scoring form at the moment, probably Stoke's best, you know, champ to a goal home and away. So I'd imagine he would play ahead of Stephen Ireland. Gareth, we the midfield battle is going to be an interesting one. We've sort of stumbled on upon our best team now. You, you feel like Poyet knows what his best team is, with the exception of. Um, Jack Colback and Seb Larson who he appears to be alternating for home and away games however now you know I wasn't at the, the Southampton game Larson was poor by all accounts he didn't feature last night really so are we are we thinking he's going to revert back to Larson or do you think he'd stick with Colback Gardner's not gone on the door as well or do you think it could entirely depend on Saturday's game against Kidderminster to see who, who takes that chance No, I don't think that'll have a bear in the game at the weekend I think I think Colback might have the edge now um, yeah because uh, Gardner and, and Larson, uh, sorry, Gardner and Kovac, uh sort of changed the game against Southampton when they came on. I thought, and uh, Gardner actually did all right uh, last night. I thought when he came on as well, which is you know I'm not his biggest fan, so um, so he's probably in the frame. Um, but if it was between Larson and Kovac at the moment, you'd probably you know plump for Kovac, but. It can change every three weeks. Or well, something. this is it. I mean, this is a recurring theme, Sobs, isn't it? You know, we 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 spoke about this in the podcast for a year now. We have these midfielders, the Larsons, the Gardners, the Colbacks. One will come in, play well for three, two, three games. Everybody will say, right, okay, he's at the front of the queue now. Then he'll he'll lose some form, and it's just it's rotating. It's like a revolving door, yeah, isn't it? Say it. Well, we found it now. It looks like Key and Catamwell. That's that's a central midfield pairing, and then well, it's got to be Colback and Key. And then you know Larson's had a good game. Then he's had a bad game, but it is nice that Key always has a good yeah, game. Yeah, oh, well, he's, yeah, he's got a, I, think, I think in, in, in until Bridco comes in, until Catamol leaves Gareth, um, that's going to be Catamol Key 
for sure, mm. isn't it? And the three-man midfield helps cover that those freighties up a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, and the fact that they're they're well drilled and the you know the have all bought into the system um, and seem to enjoy it. I think helps whoever comes in seems to enjoy playing in the in the three the way they play. Um, so you know, I mean, it would be a toss-up again against Colbat with Colbat and Larson, but you'd probably go for Colbat. Mark um, Sullen defining set pieces extremely relevant, defending and attacking. We've been getting success in a, uh, go- on the goals front and attacking them, but we were starting to concede a few sloppy ones as well. How was Stoke on both counts? Um, surprisingly, very poor. We scored our first headed goal of the season against Liverpool. First one all season. We did, I think it was us and West Ham were the last two clubs to do it, which is quite incredible when you you think about the reputations of those two clubs <laughs> and um, certainly this was the case before the Palace game we were joint with Newcastle and Fulham as having conceded the most headed goals so we have struggled with, with crosses into the box and, and that includes set pieces um, in terms of putting them in at the other end the delivery's been really really poor it, Charlie Adam in particular seems to love hitting the first man um, so if, you, if Sunderland are you know, defending them relatively well I can't imagine you're having too many problems against us no one. well I think that's one of the same point is we, we, uh, we're capitalising on them going forward but we're not defending them very well at all we, we're conceding a lot of silly goals unmarked players in the area and such is, um, well, is, is there sorry is there, a, is there a particular weakness in, in, in Stoke's side and where, where do you think this game could be lost or, or won for Stoke um, I think it may come down to Hughes's approach again because on paper I think most people would certainly say that Stoke's defence is, is probably stronger than Sunderland's certainly through the middle yet we've conceded the second most goals in the league after um, I can't remember mm-hmm. <laughs> but second most goals in the league you know Fulham, which is Fulham incredible for Fulham. yeah it, it, you're right it's Fulham um, which is an incredible statistic when you think you know how strong we were defensively with this broadly the same defence under, under Tony Pulis mm-hmm. so clearly there's something in the system that's um, you know, contributing to that So and, and Stoke have got the, the worst away record in the league along with full five points so on the road he's clearly struggling to find the right balance as I mentioned earlier between getting goals going forward and, and keeping things tight at the back so if he can get that right I, I would like to think that Stoke have got the players you know, to keep Sunderland out but recently he hasn't done that I'm not going to call this a must-win game, Gary. Uh, I know Gareth's certainly not a fan of that, of that phrase, but we've got to start winning these home games, haven't we? I know it's all well and good saying you know we're struggling to break teams down, but we're going to have to do it because you know we can we can dress Sunderland up, uh, Sunderland's new look side up as much as we like. We're still second bottom at the moment. Yeah, I know I know how Gareth feels about the the must-win label. It, it gets rolled out week after week after week, but. Especially when you never win those. Well, yeah, wins. I mean, there is a reason for it getting wheeled out every week because it is, I guess. But no, um, well, since we've had all these must-win games, we're in the best position we've probably been in for the must draws. Yeah, um, I think the way the feeling is around the club after the the semi-final, if they can pick up a couple of wins in the league, you know, fans are just really, really going to 
start to believe that we could get out of the mess we're in, you know, and hopefully that'll rub off onto the players if it, if it hasn't already. It's a bit frustrating, Gareth, isn't it, seeing sort of West Ham, um, West Ham and um, Palace sort of change positions while we steer where we are, isn't it? Do, do you do you sense there's certainly an upwards trajectory, isn't it, Sullen? Do you sense that once we get out there, the only way is up? Do you feel that? Um, <clears throat> I think so. We have to be positive, of course. Yeah, no, don't we? no, I think I think we'll stay up because. I think you look at say you look at the game last night for example and you know we control long long periods of that game um against a good team away from home and then you know the the played so badly you know teams will play badly played as badly as we did against Southampton and Carter that first 20 25 minutes in both games but got the kid got points from those games those games were lost to you know you two nil that and struggling and they managed to come back into it and turn it around, so they've got a good chance of staying up. I think because the fight's there, there's a team effort there. I think the reconnection, I think the supporters and the the club are starting to reconnect a bit with the the bubble trip thing and the, the cup run and you know Poyet saying all the right things and he's he's you know it's just the whole thing at the moment. Just that it's talking about the day on the way back from from Manchester that there's a feel good factor about the club, but we're still. Second bottom that's in the, the league. <laughs> you need to stop the talk and stop. That's what I'm saying. You need to yeah. start winning these games, don't they, Mark? Were you hoping we were going to get a good hiding last night and it would have an effect on our confidence? Um, I probably should have been, but <laughs> no, I was, I was delighted to see you win. It's always nice to see, you know, a club from outside the established elite doing well, and uh, I think most of the country is cheering you on, to be honest. So you get my congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much. We'll accept anything we can get at the moment. Um, we'll go yeah. around and get a prediction off everybody, Mark. We'll start with you. Ooh, very tough. Um, I think it's it. I, I, I'd argue it's a bigger game for Stoke than Sunderland with the fixtures we've got coming up. Unfortunately, I think we'll lose it. I think Sunderland will win one nil. Mm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with Mark on that one. I'm thinking one nil. I think it's. I don't think it's going to be pretty at all. Um, but I do think there's enough confidence in the squad to just get a scrappy goal or something from somewhere, or possibly another marvelous one from someone like Johnson, Gareth. Um, I think I'll say two one Sunderland common home result in it. So not for us. It's exactly, not. <laughs> we've got to get one of lower average dictates. We just need a normal, yeah, routine win, right. Gary Domo. What are you thinking? I'm going to try and be positive after last night. I'm going to go for two nil. I'm, 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 I've got cup fever. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, yeah, mine was two nil as well. I fancy Bardsley to be in amongst it again. Well, we've got a full house, including yeah. our guest as well. Bardsley and Johnson, the goal sc- top goal scorers, fighting it out at the top of the charts. Okay, we're going to come back and we're going to do a little summary about where we think Sunderland Spend five, ten minutes on that. Apologies again to all for my sort of stuttering all the way through and everybody's input. I think some hangovers and Gareth set the world record for the most amount of yawns in the studio today. And I think... Um, we're all still suffering and we're just going to try and get through this now. Spend the last five minutes or ten minutes or so being positive. Uh, Gareth, would have, well, smiling no, would be a start. Just smiling saying, would no. be a start. I was just saying earlier, I think there's been a lot as well in the, like the mass media you know, talking about how bad Man United are and all this. And I just think you know, the, the lads deserve some credit, especially after the level of flack that was level at them earlier in the season and rightly so in some respects I mean if you go back three weeks to New Year's Day lost to Aston Villa um, the bubble trip was announced 
<laughs> How things can change in three weeks, it's been a remarkable turnaround, hasn't it? Mm, amazing. That, you know, that they've got themselves in a position where they can get out of it. And, uh, you know, point, you know, like, you know, this store game is a big game. It's not only it's a must win game, I'm saying it's a big game. They can win it, it puts themselves in a good position. And, you know, they, you know, they've got a cup, a cup final to look forward to, which it's funny because, you, you know, people talk about you know the Premier League and you know it is a money thing clubs want to be in the Premier League for the financial benefits of that but you know you look at Southampton and Newcastle as an example maybe and you know it's like a Southampton still in the FA Cup I can't remember did they get knocked out in the first in the third round can you remember I can't much of <clears throat> but obviously Newcastle did they're not in the League Cup anymore so haven't we beat them in the League Cup Southampton won I think um, so I don't know I just you know, Newcastle season's like over, really, isn't it? I mean, they're in mid-table and they'll finish seventh, or they might finish tenth, eleventh. Mm. And it's like you're not gonna, you know, what? There's a few Newcastle fans I know, and they're kind of like a bit disappointed about the fact it's that they've got nothing. Yeah, yeah, they've got yeah. nothing to look you almost, forward. You do, sometimes strive for it when you're second bottom in the league as well. But yeah. Sobs out here last night. Rate to you, you've had a few weird trips over the years. It's fantastic. It's right up there with the top of them. I know when it when it went to when they equalised in stupid o'clock, this younger next to me said, "Oh, it's the end of the world." <laughs> I felt like get, I felt like it. So I'll be, yeah. get used to it, man. But it was <laughs> it's, it all. It's almost beyond us now. That sort mm. of thing. But you, you really get wrapped up with the emotion. I said before the game, I was once I got in the ground, you felt like you were seventeen and daft again because mm. it's such a big occasion. Everybody was up. For a lot of them, the young ones, it was their first experience of anything like that, and it is. Mm. It's what makes football the game it mm. is, and it's great that something like that uh, shows that the Premier League's not the be all and end all. We've had mm. a great run in the League Cup, we've had a, a one match run in the FA Cup, but with a potential and two romantic games as well, you know. So it it makes for even though we're our second off bottom, as a mag tried to say to me, what you're miserable about, you've only been four points from safety all along, mm. but. At the bottom half of the table is fairly compressed and a little a little it's, runner it's looking a little bit nicer to us now isn't it yeah. Gary I, I, I sort of know where the cliche roller coaster ride comes from after last night because of all those missed penalties from both sides it's up down up down up down have you ever came across anything like that before um, n- n- not not short space of time I think watching Sunderland for God knows how many years I have done now that that's a roller coaster ride <laughs> in itself um, but you know like Gareth said about Newcastle could get seventh or eighth, and it'd be lovely if someone were up there rather than fighting. But nobody remembers the season you finish seventh or eighth. You remember the seasons you go down, even though you don't want to. You remember the seasons you come up, and you remember the seasons you went to Wembley, the cup final. It doesn't, as a football fan, you know, put aside my professional job as a journalist, as a football fan, it doesn't get any better than that. And I, you know, final whistle last night. I'm phoning my dad. I'm phoning my brother. I'm phoning my sister, and we're shouting and yelling down the phone at each other. And it's it, it's just it, it's a massive, massive thing. And the, the lads do deserve a hell of a lot of credit, and so mm. does Gus. But you know, they don't come around that often unless you're a Man United or a, or a Chelsea. Or so you know, let's enjoy it for as long as we possibly can. I felt like the connection between the fans and players has been lost as well recently, Gareth, don't we? We'll talk yeah. about that a lot. Do you think that's starting to get the, it's, I think it's, it's clawing back a little bit? It certainly is now. I think there's a you know, Barini made some really nice comments after the game, seemed genuine as well about 
did you see them about saying he yeah. like, like, leaves a bit of his heart with the Sunderland supporters you know and, and Key's clearly relishing the, the mm, support he's getting isn't yeah he? I mean the, you know last night everyone the, you know I've criticised a group of supporters who are singling out certain players for criticism and booing them off and jeering the touches and stuff and I think that's right I think that's idiotic but last night and I wouldn't have ex- did say I wouldn't expect that group of supporters given the situation to be negative towards the team and when people made mistakes they were backed and there was no you know the, the, it was such a positive they gave them the platform to, to, to play the potential I think the fans can have a good positive impact and I think that was really shown last night and you could see you know the I mean I've never I, I've never seen anything like it that Bardsley goal like I've I've never <laughs> seen anything like it in my life. Something that was, you're going to remember, isn't it? Yeah, you're I mean, it was absolute. Like, like, there was a guy about four seats behind me, and he was naked, well, top half naked, and he jumped down, and he was like crowd surfing along, screaming his head off, and then he landed on the seat, seat folded down in front. And he landed on the seat upside down, head first on the seat, and he passed out. So when it sort of simmered down, this guy was kind of like. Stuck upside down in the seat in front, and I thought, I thought he was just stuck. So I was trying to help him. Then I realised I was like thinking, "Did you not pop your head down and take a selfie?" <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, "Is he? What's going on here?" I thought, "Like this guy might be dead." That was my first thought. I thought, "Is this guy dead?" And then I was like slapping his stomach, and he wasn't moving. And there was a couple of lads who were trying to hike him up. Was he still there by the time Man United scored? Well, no. He, well, <laughs> he, he came. He just came round like that. And then he just started screaming his head off again, <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> just passed out and came back round. And it was bizarre. But I've never seen anything like like that before. It was just insane. And it, then it took me back to being eleven year old at Hillsborough ninety two semi final. I think I don't think I've ever been in the game like that I think since it, then. Like Gary was saying, it's like it was that like emotion spread out over game. It happens, but for us to be, we were at Wembley. We were there. And then, a minute later, we were not. And then, <clears throat> the penalties were so, you know, well, the penalties was, you know, a bizarre penalty shootout. And when you miss your first one, and it's Gardner who you like, you'd put your house on scoring a penalty. <clears throat> you start panicked on, you start worry, and then once you miss, because if you miss your first one, you think you, you're really struggling. But you certainly don't think if you have five penalties and miss three of them, you're going to progress no. anywhere. No. Um, just, just sorry, just to, uh, um, Gareth mentioned Parsley, and I'm probably going to get shot down in flames here. And I know he's not the, he hasn't been the fans' favourite for for what he's done. But I did see an interview with him after the game last night, where he actually thanked Roy Keane for bringing him to a fantastic football yeah. club. And I know people might think I'm being naive. Maybe oh, it's just he's just saying it. He, he doesn't really care. But it came across that he was genuinely, genuinely, absolutely delighted. To go to Wembley with London Football Club, and I, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe you might win some of the fans back. Hopefully he does. But I was, I was really impressed with the fact that you know he thanked Kane for bringing him to the football club. It obviously meant a lot. I heard a lot of men um, when I was leaving the ground um, make utterances along the lines of "That's badly forgiven." Now I think the, yeah, the pendulum certainly starting to swing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but Th- is this an important little spell now, Gareth? Between before now and the final because um, now notoriously teams mid-table teams who play a cup final slump in form afterwards but beforehand you're going to have a situation now 
the players are on a high and every player's going to want to play that game so every mm. player's you almost think they're going to fight you know doubly as hard to get in the side again now uh, well I hope so that's the master plan isn't <laughs> yeah, it I hope so <laughs> I mean they've got what, they've got a couple of big games I mean the Stoke game then we've got Newcastle um, and then we've got I think we've got a couple of tough ones haven't we Arsenal away and is it have we got Man City away or something okay. is, it, is it Man City and then we've got them in the cup final so that's the, yeah, the league game on a night yeah so it's going to be tough um, so if you want you know if, you, if you're going to build confidence in any game it's getting results away at those clubs so you're going to want them fighting but I think the fight's been there I think you know Bardsley has epitomised it to be fair to him and you know we'd all had discussions and I'm sure like you know, he should be sad for this. And I just think maybe we got, you know... You always get ma- carried away in the here I think and we now, got, don't we you? We got carried away in the moment. I think the Canios are responsible for that, maybe. You're always responsible for your own reactions to things. It was difficult, I think, rationing. I think at that time, I think he kind of worked up this storm. And, you know, we were sort of talking about with a couple of lads yesterday and we were saying about the Canio, how maybe people seem to like the Canio because, you know, this perception that he told the truth... He knew, he knew what they were up to and all this. It's like, well, no, everyone knows what they're up to. It's just the Canio was gobbing off about it, and that's mm. the only difference. I think Martin O'Neill didn't know where the problems were, but he just didn't come out and go on about it, you know. And I think that's a, and he kind of like used Bardsley, and then is is that focal point for this sort of like disdain against modern footballers or whatever he wanted to try and instill or get this mentality going with the support or whatever. I don't know, and I think. That was just, you know, that created the storm. And when you kind of look back on the whole Bardi situation, the casino thing really wasn't that much of a big deal. And the, you know, the, the Instagram. It was the tweet, Yeah, it was the Instagram. It was the, the Instagram thing, really. It was a stupid thing to do, that was. But obviously it was aimed at Paolo. I mean, that's a thing. But I don't know. I just maybe we got a little. I think the Fletcher thing was interesting, the Fletcher stories, whether they're true or not. Mm. People have kind of maybe got to look at the the Bardi situation and kind of maybe think well let's just take a step back yep keep calm I think that's certainly what I do I try I try not to comment on it at all to be honest it's certainly yeah. not going to be a, it certainly hasn't been a forgettable season it's not going to be lost in the wash is it it's cra- it's been mental isn't it really to be honest it's been raj <laughs> <laughs> unlike question of the week which was lost in the wash um, because Again. yeah, yeah, we might come. We, well, we will. We will make it our aim to come back with that next week, and hopefully, we'll have a win against Stoke to talk about primarily. If not, we'll put unnecessary amounts of um, analysis on the Kidderminster game if we come through that and try and <laughs> well, glo- try and gloss it over as we'll much be as previewing we can. the other game. We certainly will be just a little one that one, isn't it? Yeah. Remind me of that Get, again. Yeah, I'm getting sick of them to be honest. I know. No, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what, Too not as sick as them. But five games since we've lost now, that's got to have a a, a mental mm. sort of hold on them. You would hope so anyway. Convincing myself here. Okay, right. Thanks for listening again. We will see you next week. Over and out. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.